This is Body Count, a horror movie podcast, with your hosts, Trent Scott and Graham Asher. <laughs> Oh, yes! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Body Count, your home for all things creepy, crawly, ghouly, gory, or anything else that goes bump in the night. I am Trent Scott, and he is Graham Ashley. Hey, what's going on, Trent? And hello to all of our Body Count fans out there. Um, yeah, I hope you all had a happy Halloween. Hope you guys got some nice candy, got to watch some of your favorite scary movies. And I guess now we're into the the other holidays you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah those other holidays who cares about those right <laughs> <laughs> right man so uh yeah trent how was your halloween oh it was good it was fun we had a uh, we had a party here um had a good time had to work the next day which wasn't as fun um, <laughs> yeah working after a night of uh you know being up late or you know having out with friends or however, whatever that entails for you is usually yes. not the best idea. <laughs> yeah. So and, like, Halloween was on a Sunday this year. It was kind of weird. So we had the party right. on the Saturday and then I actually worked Halloween and no bueno. Yeah. No bueno. Yeah. We, um, because it was on a Sunday, I, and you know, my precious Cowboys were playing on Halloween night. So I watched that. Um, we did give out, pass out candy for the neighborhood kids um got like a million compliments on my garage because the garage was open and the dads liked it so that was fun but yeah i got to hand out candy it was pretty low-key didn't didn't go to a, didn't go to a party this year now i didn't see any did you did you have any costume or anything no costumes for me no now uh i however did have a costume um actually i got a bunch of uh <laughs> i got a bunch of uh compliments on it people thought i oh yeah i, did, I, I loved well. it uh, not exactly uh, horror related, although he did once kill someone and feed them to uh, to the kid. Uh, he, he killed a kid's parents and fed them to him. So that's that pretty. That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty scary, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, terrifying. I dressed, dressed up as Eric Cartman. Um, yeah, it was a great costume. Yeah, you did so, good. So that was fun. Um, yeah, we went to Stephanie's sister's um, the day before, and they were having like a little party. And Stephanie was like, no, we don't need to dress up. And then when we got there and she tried to blame me for not dressing up, I was like, you said <laughs> not to dress up. Cause I was like, oh, of course we're going to dress up. I mean, at least do like a, I usually do more like cosplay stuff. Like not like extreme cosplay, but like, I'll be like a character from something like one year I dressed up as Owen from Jurassic world. I, I even like had a, a badge and I had that laminated and stuff like that, where it was like Jurassic world. Um, but yeah, so we didn't, but her, uh, her nephew did a lot of makeup, really scary stuff. That was cool. And we had a good time there, but yeah, all, all in all pretty chill. But then Trent, for the first time in a while, I got to see you in person. I know. Yes. So for, for our listeners out there, you're like, well, you guys aren't even addressing the fact that this episode is a week late. Um, and that is because uh, we both wound up being quite busy last week. Graham had some work stuff going on. And I flew to Minneapolis. Yeah. But I stopped 
in uh, DFW along the way because I flew out of DFW. And uh, last Friday, yeah, Graham and I got to uh, break some bread together. How about that? Yeah, dude, it was fun. Um, yeah, Trent, you called me up and you were like, you sent me a text like, hey, man, you want to meet for dinner? And I was like, yeah, or because I like to cook, I can just cook you some food, man. You were like, home-cooked meals sounds good. So, yeah, you got to come over. We had a tomahawk steak, like one of these like dinosaur bones, right? Literally, I walked <laughs> in, I was like, is that like a damn brontosaurus? I feel like I'm in, in the Flintstones here. Yeah, it was so like three inches it. thick. Like, yeah, it was gigantic. <laughs> we uh we split it into thirds and I still couldn't even finish it. <laughs> yeah, three of us ate on it. So uh yeah, hope you enjoyed that that meal, man. It was good to see you. Yes, but like I said, I, I wound up uh I, I flew to Minneapolis the next day and I was in Minneapolis and um it was it was interesting. Um on Saturday night I had gone to a uh you see, for, for, for the listeners out there, you know, uh, horror movies are not my only uh, hobby. I am also a professional wrestling fan. Um, Big time. He's yes. wearing a wrestling shirt right now. <laughs> that I got at the event, full gear. Nice. Um, so I know some of you smart Alex out there are like, oh, that fake fighting stuff. No. <laughs> I mean, yes, but no. You. <laughs> hey, dude, wrestling, like, I, I don't know which one you all eat wrestling no i'm not correct you know not super familiar with that i read it on the shirt obviously everybody knows wwe former formerly wwf and then wcw grew up with that i feel like that was like absolved by somebody Uh, maybe wwe bottom or something like that they did but anyway like dude these things sell out hundred thousand seat arenas yes they're literally like it wrestlemania is running not one but two nights at cowboy stadium next april yeah, and that's that's capacity ninety something thousand. Um, yes. It'll sell out. Um, they do weekly arenas around the country, yes. always well attended. So I mean, there is definitely a huge following. This was at I mean, this particular this was all elite wrestling. So this wasn't even WWE. This was the number two company here in America, and they sold out the Minnesota Timberwolves basketball arena. Wow. Yeah, twenty thousand or so. Yeah. So. Yeah. Twelve, um, fifteen, twenty. Yeah. But anyway, all that to say. Um, I did not rent a car. I just was uh, taking a lift everywhere. And so Dude, lifts have gotten expensive, bro. Well, yes. And that's not even the half of it because you see <laughs> last Saturday, it was 27 degrees in Minneapolis. And during the course of the show, it began to snow. You're not used to that. And you're from like down South Texas, Houston, near <laughs> yes. the Bay, where it's probably 80 degrees still today. Yes. So the show ends and I'm trying to flag down a lift in 27 degree weather as it's snowing. With thousands of people streaming out. Yes. Other probably other also people looking riots. for lifts, yeah. right? Yeah. So we're not in a good situation to begin with. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna pay for a premiere pickup, which is you know, like they'll let you like skip to the you pay like a premium, but you know, they'll come to you first, right? So this is gonna be like a $75 lift. Mm-hmm. So says, okay, your driver will be there in three minutes. Great. Well, then it says your driver will be there in six minutes. He's and then going the other way. And then it says your driver will be there in 10 minutes. I'm like, this is not going well. <laughs> so clock is passed. And like, I can watch, you can like see your driver moving on, on the, on the yeah. map and, and the app. I'm like, what is going on here? This guy's nowhere near me. 
So then finally he starts making his way the right direction and then timer starts counting back down and we get to like, your driver is two minutes away and my phone rings. So I'm like, oh, this, this must be, be the driver. So I answered, he asked me where I am. I'm telling him, tell him where I'm at. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm almost at the light. It's like, great. And then he's like, okay, I'm here. I'm like, I don't see you. Where are you at? He's like, oh, I, 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 I'm right here. I'm like, no, you have this problem twice now. Yes. So you need to, do you need to make sure your pickup location is matching up with where you are? <laughs> no, I was like, I was very specific. I made sure when I started, everything was right. The guy was in the wrong location. Ooh. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean no good again in 27 degrees and snowing. I just want to get in the car right now, right? Yeah. So this guy winds up like driving in circles for like 15 minutes while we're on the phone trying to circumnavigate each other. I'm like, dude, I am not from he's like he's naming locations. I'm like, I don't know where that is. You're like, all I know is that I'm near this arena. I'm like, <laughs> just go to the place where it's set. it was called the Seville Club. It was like a nightclub, like right next to the Target Center. I'm like, yeah. just go to the freaking place I said. Go to the Seville Club. Never made it to the Seville Club. But finally, he's like, I'm at the Mayo Clinic. And I look, and I'm like, ah, the Mayo Clinic. It's like three blocks that way. So I finally tr- track him down. But yeah, spent like literally like 20 minutes out in the snow trying to get this freaking lift driver to come pick me up. And he still never made it to the right location. I had to go to him. <laughs> but you hear that lift? You're not going to be a sponsor of this podcast. Unless... I mean, if the check clears, I mean, <laughs> unless you get we can delete it. that part. <laughs> we'll go to Uber. <laughs> but all in all, uh, it was a, it was still a good night for, for anyone who is, happens to be a wrestling fan. That's listening. Hangman page, baby, new world champ. <laughs> Yeah, and if you guys are, you can message Trent on his personal Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's why, all that being said, that's why we're a week late. But we are yeah. here now, season two, Graham, episode one. This is it. Yes, we are starting season two of Body Count. Well, we'll be reviewing some of your favorites. And we start off season two with A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Freddy's Revenge. That's right. We had to come out with something, you know, big. We had to hit one of the major, you know, major three franchises. Had to yeah, be the big three. For, for, our, for our season premiere. So that led us to A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Came out in 1985, just one year after the original, although it is set five years later in the movie. Yeah, it came out one year later and they started filming. The, the movie came out in November, I believe, and it started filming in like April. So like they were, they saw, uh, and we talk about this all the time and, and you know. Um, you know what studios. we call, you know what we call that, right? <laughs> Pulling a Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So yeah, this was a, um, a very different film from the original, um, which I don't know. Again, for our longtime listeners, you'll remember our first three episodes were dedicated to Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the 13th. And out of those three, I liked the original Nightmare on Elm Street the most out of the original three films. Um, Freddy was just such a fun villain and so unique. And everything is different here. All the rules are different. The way he behaves is different. What he's 
cap- what his, his capabilities voice. are are different. His look, his voice, everything is different here. Yeah, um, I think I agreed with you too that A Nightmare on Elm Street 1 was my favorite of the three between Halloween and Friday the 13th. Um, it, for everything that you said, it's it's fun. Um, Freddy's a fun character to follow. He has personality. He's 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 snarky. He's um, you know maniacal, but but um, playful and and funny. And and then we get this. But like I said, it's different. But does does, does different mean worse? Let's find out. Yes, let's find out. So the movie opens. We see a bus is driving down the street, and for those paying attention, you might have noticed that the bus driver was Robert England without makeup, a.k.a. the guy who plays Freddy. Yeah, great little cameo by Robert England there. So we see on the bus, there's a bunch of kids. They slowly get off. And then we are left with two girls and who we will come to find out is a boy named Jesse, who becomes our main character. And we see the bus starts picking up speed and the girls start yelling, oh, you missed our stop. And the bus speeds up even more. And then... The bus drives off-road, and they come to a stop finally in the desert. The ground starts catering around it. The bus is, like, rocking back and forth. It's the only thing around that's, like, in a canyon around it. And then our main character, Jesse, wakes up in a sweat, screaming. So, yeah, right off the bat, we get a Freddy sighting. Um, We're introduced to our main character, who will be battling Freddy, of course. And that is Jesse. And yeah, so he wakes up in a pool of sweat and we're starting to learn about him. So, so let's learn more about Jesse. Yeah, so Jesse makes his way downstairs. We, we meet his parents. We meet his little sister. And we find out that he has moved into the very house that Nancy Thompson lived in in the original film five years ago. And Jesse has a next door neighbor named Lisa, who apparently... Uh, is going to ride to school with Jet with the new kid, and they quickly become friends. And that day at school, during PE, I guess, Jesse is taking part in a baseball game, and well, Jesse's just not very good at catching fly balls, apparently, because fly ball gets hit in his direction and bonks him right on the head, which leads to Ron Grady, the kid who hit the ball, you know, telling him, oh, nice job, and they get into a big fist fight, they tussle. Ron pulls his pants down. Um, yes. um, everybody's laughing at Jesse, and Ron and uh, Ron and uh, Jesse are forced to stay and do push-ups by Coach Snyder. And somehow, through all of this, they bond and become best friends. Yeah. So it's weird their friendship that because uh, at first it, it was it was quite obvious that they hated each other. But then through their, what is it? The mutual <laughs> tormenting, I guess, from the, from the coach. Now they're butts. Yes. Um, so yeah, Grady's your typical meathead kind of guy. Uh, I'm still figuring out Jesse at this point. Like what exactly is Jesse? And I have some thoughts. Yes. <laughs> so that night, Jesse, he, he wakes up again in a pool of sweat. And he goes downstairs looking for a little midnight snack. He opens the refrigerator, a glass bottle of orange juice falls and breaks. And then he looks out the kitchen window and he sees someone moving outside. So he heads outside, he's following them, and he looks down in his cellar and he sees a man who we know is Freddy Krueger. 
and Freddy is throwing things into their lit furnace. And it is at this point where uh, uh, Freddy tells Jason that he needs him. But then Jesse wakes up screaming yet again. Yeah, so Freddy's already... So Jesse is, is sleeping in the same room that Nancy was. Yes. So, and in, like you mentioned, in the same house um, five years later. So obviously there's something in that room that, that Freddie has a power over. And yeah, Freddie needs Jesse. Now, what does he need him for? We'll find out, won't we? <laughs> so the next day, Jesse's in class and he falls asleep. And we see a snake slowly begin to wrap itself around him. And I don't know if you're like me, Graham, but I just assumed this was another dream. But no, in fact, this is actually happening. There's a pet snake in the class who has wrapped itself around Jesse, who, stop me if you've heard this before, wakes up screaming, and uh, the teacher pulls the snake off of him and tells him, oh, if you wanted to play with the snake, you know, after class or whatever. Yeah, so can can we just point out here that these screams that Jesse's belting out are... Extremely girly. <laughs> I mean, we, we will get to that. Yes, we will get to that. Um, but yeah, I was the same with you. I just assumed it was a dream. So like now I'm just kind of thrown off on what exactly is dream and what's not. And um, that kind of stays with me in a number of <laughs> scenes through this movie. So that afternoon after school, Jesse is home and he, he's getting ready to go see Lisa. And his dad's like, nope, you got to go clean up your room. So He puts on a record, he starts dancing, and it is at exactly that moment that Lisa shows up to help him and embarrasses him in the most uh, obvious way possible. Yeah, he's doing some interesting dance moves, just having a good time, just being a, you know, just, I don't know. He's dancing, and it's it's awkward, (laughs) that's all I'll say. (laughs) So as Lisa is helping Jesse clean up his room, she discovers a diary in his closet and they pull it out and it belongs to Nancy from the first film and they start reading it. And in the diary, Nancy starts describing the nightmare she's been having about Freddy Krueger and Jesse realizes, "Uh Oh, I'm having the same nightmares. Yeah. It's a, out of all the things that were left there, of course, in the house, up in his closet is Nancy's diary. Um, like you said, she explains her um, encounters with Freddie. Um, boom, light bulb goes off for Jesse. He's having very similar situations going on with him. So, so now he's got a little bit of a little bit of a background into what's going wrong and why he's seeing this man with burns all over his face and knives for fingers. Yes. So, it is once again that time Jesse goes to sleep that night. And he wakes up and everything in the room is so hot. We see like the records are melting. His like candles have melted. So he makes his way downstairs to the furnace and he opens it. The furnace is not lit, but inside the furnace, he pulls out a package and he unwraps it and it's Freddy's glove. And then Freddy appears to him and tells him to try it on. And then Freddie tells him that he needs Jesse to kill for him. And at this point, Jesse freaks out. He falls down and he looks back and Freddie is gone. But the glove is still there. 
Yeah, and I guess he's awake, right? I guess. Like, was but he? But did awake the stuff before? in his room actually melt? <laughs> yeah, I don't think the stuff in his room melted, but like, and then he's just awake in the in the first of all, like an industrial grade furnace in the in the the house going on there. But anyway, yes. um, <laughs> but yeah, and then he trips and he looks back and and Freddy's gone. But everything else was real. So yeah, I, I I don't know if his stuff's melted or not. We don't get that closure there. Yes. So he's telling Lisa about this the next day. She's like, oh, it's just a dream. Well, back at home that afternoon, and his mom is complaining, it's really hot in here. So his dad looks at the thermostat, and it is 97 degrees inside. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more than a little bit hot. Now, Grant, call me crazy. But if it was 97 degrees indoors, I don't think his dad would have been that like, oh, hey, who would have thought it's 97 degrees? There's no possible way I could have known this. Do you realize how hot 97 degrees is indoors? Indoors, it is like sweltering hot, you guys. Um, They didn't even bother to open a window to get a breeze in there. Yeah, dude, because you know, like when you turn your heater on in the winter um, and you want it nice and toasty, depending on how you like to keep it. Dude, 74, 75 degrees of heat is completely different than 75 degrees of of air conditioning, right? And by the way, I mean, Jesse's always like permanently covered in a layer of sweat, but the rest of his family, like there's no like sweat stains on his dad's shirt or anything. Like if they would have said 87, it would have been pushing it. But 97? you're gonna pass out (laughs) yeah incredible um but you know so this is this is another point where i'm like okay just just start talking about the birds all right so it's at this point where they have a bird cage set up in the living room and uh we saw earlier they have two birds and well the bird cage starts shaking so jesse goes and he he pulls back the cover that was on top of the bird cage because they were sleeping and one of the birds falls out. It's already dead. Animals don't count. No bells. Yes. And the other bird freaks out, flies out, starts uh, trying to attack the family. He scratches Jesse's dad. He breaks a lamp and then spontaneously combusts. <laughs> the bird just blows up, you guys. It, it explodes. Go back and watch it. This This scene is hilarious. First of all, they're like definitely afraid of this like four ounce bird right yeah it's a, this is, it's a parakeet it's not like a damn eagle it's a parakeet <laughs> it's so little and so but yes and it's like okay and then it just blows up and i'm like this gotta be a dream apparently not <laughs> so then i guess jesse's mom's like oh i smelled gas that must be why it's so hot so jesse's dad Which is makes like no sense trying to like move the stove and uh Jesse's like, it's not gas. And then Jesse's dad is like, you set this whole thing up, didn't you? You used firecrackers, which is a heinous thing to accuse your son of doing. And your son just murdered the family pets. Yeah, he's like, you used a cherry bomb, didn't you? And it's like, okay. When he started accusing him of setting this thing up, I was like, okay, he's got a point because Jesse had complained that his room was really hot. 
So it's like, okay, he might've like rigged the furnace to make the whole house hot. So his dad would actually fix the air conditioner, right? But no, he accuses him of exploding their pets. Yes. (laughs) So Jesse rightfully storms off. And then stop me if you've heard this folks, Jesse falls asleep that night and he wakes up and he makes his way downstairs. And there's a lightning strike inside of his kitchen that sets a plate on fire. And then Jesse, with apparently no other choice besides YOLO, let's hit the town. (laughs) So then we see Jesse still in his pajamas, didn't even bother to button up his shirt, walking through the pouring rain to (laughs) Dom's place. What is Dom's place, Graham? I mean, it's a smoky dive bar with a bunch of biker people, but it's Let's, like dominatrix no, no, no. Let's people. Let's cut to the chase. Okay. This is a full-on gay bar. Yeah, it's a this, full-on gay bar. This is a mid-80s gay bar. And just as Jesse, soaking wet with his bare chest exposed, is about to drink a beer, guess who should stop him? Coach Snyder in his best YMCA outfit. Our village people, whatever it's called. Yes, they do sing the YMCA. Yeah, dude. So, like, first of all, there's just a lot of weird. I I know I focus on some weird things sometimes in this podcast, guys. But he orders a beer. Oh, this they give him a. (laughs) This was infuriating. (laughs) They give him a beer, and then like they give him like a tiny glass to pour it. Did you notice? He pours half of a beer into a cup. Like a tiny, like it's not like, even like a pint glass. It's like, like it's a highball glass. Yes. Like who <laughs> does that? That's so weird. And it wasn't even yeah. like a special request. Like the bartender gave him a bottle of beer and a small cup. Like a shot. What? <laughs> like why? <laughs> yeah, dude. And then like as he's about to take his first sip, his coach comes comes up aggressively behind him like homoerotically aggressively. i was about to say choose your wording wisely there Graham. <laughs> and and puts his hand on him kind of and then where do where does he find himself in the next scene well coach snyder decides well for trying to drink beer you must run laps so in the middle of the night coach snyder takes jesse to school makes jesse start running some laps and then orders Jesse to go take a shower. Okay, as absurd as this whole thing is, I'm just like a little bit upset that we didn't get to see like the car ride over there. <laughs> like, what are they talking about? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, and why does the coach have any authority of him over him outside of school? <laughs> and wouldn't you take the kid home? Like, why would you make him go run laps in the middle of the night? Yeah, wild. And, and like I said, he orders Jesse to go take a shower. What if Jesse doesn't want a shower? It's the middle of the night. I, I take morning <laughs> showers. Like maybe Jesse just wants to go back to bed. Yeah, let him go home. Drive him home. You got him there. So as Jesse is in the shower, uh, Coach Snyder is in the equipment room and things start to go awry. We see the, the strings on the tennis rackets begin just popping on bursting on their own. Basketballs and tennis balls and all kinds of other balls just start flying at the coach. So he, he ducks down to the ground and he starts like crawling. But then out of nowhere, two jump ropes come 
and wrap themselves around his arms and begin dragging him to the shower, where he is then stripped naked by towels, who then begin to repeatedly spank his ass. And I mean that literally. <laughs> we get close-ups and everything. Yeah, it's um, the lines that, that they're left. Yes. And then out of the out of the uh uh, what, what, what do you want to call it? Out of the, uh, the steam of the, the steam, yes. Out of the steam emerges a figure. It is none other than Freddy Krueger, who takes the claws, slashes up Coach Snyder's back, and finally, thirty-six minutes into the film, you can ring that bell. That's number one. Boom! Body cut number one. Coach Snyder in the shower. One of the most awkward death scenes so weird <laughs> so weird so like you said the jump ropes wrap themselves around him and drag him into the shower hoist him now naked in a very prone position yes slap his bare ass red we see red marks and then freddie's like yeah i got you just where i want you like it's like a scene from shawshank Except, oh my gosh. So yeah, anyway, weirdest death we've covered, I think. Yes. Um, so at this point, Freddy disappears and the gloved hand is on Jesse. Boom. So then the next shot we see is the doorbell ringing at Jesse's house. And Jesse is wrapped up in a blanket and two police officers Tell his parents, hey, we found your kid wandering the streets naked. Here you go. Yeah, you might want. (laughs) I feel like there would be more questions involved in this whole scenario. Yeah, a ton of questions. A, like, where where are you in the middle of the night? Because, like, it was it was bedtime. Everybody's asleep. So, like, what at what point? What time is it? Um, You know, the bar was hopping. So um, on a random weekday. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, they've got him covered, and they they escort him home naked, and they're just like, you better keep an eye on this one. Like, what? And obviously, there had to be some kind of conversation between the cops, because how else would they know where he lives? Because it's not yes. like he had his ID on him. He was buck naked. So what exactly <laughs> did that conversation entail with him and the cops? Like, hey, son, uh, where are your clothes? No? Yeah. What are you doing out wandering the streets? Are you okay? Are you high? Is someone after you? I've got a lot of questions. I feel like the police would also, but apparently not. Yep. That's the second car ride I'd like to see some, some scenes on. Exactly. Um, this is, okay, this is another part where I'm like, am I, am I watching, like, I don't know what is in the nightmare world and what's not in the real, because Freddie only is supposed to come in the dream world, man. That is so the first movie, Graham. You got to <laughs> well, keep up. Well, they've, they've taken it to a different level here. Um, they're breaking all the rules. So at this point, I thought Jesse's dad was a jerk earlier, but here, completely in the right, because he, he tells Jesse, look, son, I've just got two questions for you, and then we can all go to bed. <laughs> what are you taking, and where are you getting it from? Seems completely yeah. reasonable to me to ask that at this point. 100% reasonable. And he's shocked that his father yes, would ask him. Offended. Like, how dare you, Dad? I'm not on drugs. And the guy's <laughs> wife is even like, how dare you? Like, he's, like he's wandering around naked. 
in the rain naked on a school night yeah i mean you gotta you're not it's the 80s so you're not tripping on acid walking around i mean like you know what i mean like what would cause you this was early in the cocaine era jesse doing lines in the bathroom it's true but you know It'd be more of a psychedelic to make you strip naked and walk around. That's a good point. Uh, Anyway, the next morning, Jesse's mom tries to to get him to open up to her, and he won't do it. And he heads off to school, and she tells the dad, I think he needs counseling. And the dad, again, says, I think he needs the methadone clinic. Yeah, which is for heroin addicts, by the way. Um, Anyway, dad, that's kind of a dick. (laughs) Is he? <laughs> well, well, this okay. So this is peak eighties, like you said. So, so this is like very peak of like the war on drugs and like the drug scares of the eighties. So, like yes. I, I, I get it. It's it's a different era. So, yes. um, it wasn't any weed that he's been on. <laughs> yes. So anyway, Jesse and Lisa arrive to school. There's police all over the place, and Grady tells them, in fact, somebody slashed up Coach Snyder last night. Yeah, and Jesse, like, sprints. Like, when he parks the car, he sprints over to the police car. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, that doesn't make him look shady at all. (laughs) Right, you're like, I got to see what's going on. Um, And he's kind of new to the school, so, like, you know, just, just, you know, stay in the shadows, bro. You're the new kid. Don't bring any attention to yourself. But anyway. So that night, we see Freddy's glove begins to move on its own, and it's on uh, Jesse's desk. And then Jesse gets up and he goes into his sister's room, who is wearing a right, white dress. She's jumping rope and she is reciting the poem from the first movie. You know, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. So uh, weird. <laughs> yes, weird. Had a, kind of a little bit of a shining element there, didn't it? Yeah, a little bit. So then the next morning, uh, Jesse and his dad uh, get into an argument about the house. And he's like, hey, dad, why did it take five years for this house to sell? And the dad kind of beats around the bush. And then Jesse reveals, well, I know the girl who used to live here, Nancy, lost her mind and her mom committed suicide. So this ties us back to the end of the first movie where we Weren't really sure. Did, Je- did, did Nancy's mom die? Oh, yeah, right. she did. Right. But at this point, the dad is like, okay, you caught me. And then out of nowhere, the toaster catches on fire. And Jesse's dad leaps up. He, he bats out the fire and then says, it's the strangest thing. It's not even plugged in. And then they move on. <laughs> We're all good now. <laughs> It's like, okay, so my bird exploded and now the toaster is just catching on fire. But um Hey, you know, these anyway, things happen. Let me get back to the business section in this newspaper that I'm yeah. reading. <laughs> so then Lisa has been doing some research on her own. And her, she brings Jesse out of town to a power plant where she reveals this is where Freddy Krueger worked, and Freddy Krueger murdered his 20 child victims and they look around for a bit and lisa was hoping that jesse would feel some kind of psychic something or other but 
Chapman doesn't really feel anything. They see a rat. They're scared. They leave. So that was kind of a uh, big tease on that scene. Yeah, an empty scene, I would yeah. say. So then back at 1428 Elm, uh, we see the furnace lights up. And then we get a POV shot here where Freddie makes his way upstairs and he heads into Jesse's sister's room and we hear him tell her to wake up, little girl. But then we pull out and it's not Freddie. It's Jesse wearing Freddie's glove again. And he tells his sister, ah, go back to sleep. It's okay. Yeah, so it's apparent that... Um... Freddie and Jesse are, are linked. Um, if it wasn't already fully obvious. Yes. It is even more apparent because again, before I'm like, obviously we knew that him killing the coach wasn't a dream, but like, anyway, sorry, I'm just kind of talking out loud here because I'm confused at this point, <laughs> what's real and what's not. So, yes. So then uh, the next day at lunch, they're all talking about the big party that Lisa's going to have tomorrow night. But Jesse and Grady wind up getting into an argument, kind of putting them on the rocks. And so Grady winds up not going to Lisa's party as a result. And this becomes important. Because then we skip forward a full day. We actually get to skip a sweaty Jesse night of screaming and waking up. We actually don't have to see it this time. And we don't have to see uh, a scene around the breakfast table again. Yes. For the fifth time. <laughs> so... Uh, we cut to, uh, to Lisa's party the next night and Jesse makes his way into the cabana and he tells her, ah, oh, you know, I'm not really feeling this. I, I think I should go. And then they hook up. Yeah, Jesse. And they start going at it. And then all of a sudden, Jesse's tongue looking like something Gene Simmons would be proud of is like 10 times its normal size. So Lisa had her eyes closed, so she didn't see it. But Jesse freaks out, and he he cuts off the whole makeout session, and he leaves. And he makes his way over to Grady's house. Okay, so before we get to Grady's house, dude, this entire time, Jesse's saying, "Lisa, Lisa wants to talk to him. Lisa wants to help him." You know, Jesse's like, "No, all these things are going on." I mean, she. This goes out to all the young women out there. Look for the warning signs and stay away from, from this dude. Right, Lisa? I mean, he's, he's Jesse's giving you every reason to stay away from him because he's obviously having some really bad mental episodes going on. Things are not going well for him. And Lisa's just like, I want to help you, man. Like, dude, run. Speaking of warning signs, let's head to Grady's house where Jesse... Reveals to Grady, I'm the one who killed Coach Snyder. Can you let me spend the night? Yeah, it's okay. What? He's like, he's like, I don't know. First of all, he like sneaks into his house and wakes him up, which is creepy. Then he's like, I just got to stay here. It's like, well, you were at your girlfriend's house and you went to a dude's house to go sleep. So Grady, I guess, didn't watch the first movie because he commits the same sin Tommy committed. When mm -hmm. Nancy begged Tommy, watch me sleep, but don't fall asleep yourself because Grady tells, or I mean, uh, Jesse tells Grady, hey, watch me sleep, but please don't fall asleep on your own because we see Grady uh, eventually, 
you know, he's watching TV. He looks over. He sees Jesse's asleep. Everything appears to be fine. So he's like, good night, buddy. And the second he closes his eyes, here we go. Jesse wakes up and we see Freddie's arm, the, the gloved hand, like starts like breaking through Jesse's skin. We look inside his uh, his mouth. We see Freddie's eye. Which is a weird shot. The back of his cool. throat, yeah. And then Freddie, like something out of Predator or Alien, I guess, uh, burst through Jesse's stomach. And then he the grabs. Suckers. Yeah, Grady is uh, trying to escape his room, but uh, I guess Freddie has magically locked the door. So we see Grady's parents on the other side are also blocked from getting in. And off camera, we don't see the actual slashing, but we see the blood marks through the door. And you can ring that bell. That's number two. Ooh, body count number two, sliced and diced. And Jesse is just left there in bewilderment. <laughs> yes. So then we see in the mirror, we see Freddie, but we cut and it's actually Jesse standing there. So once again, can, uh, showing that there's some kind of link here between Jesse and Freddie. And so uh, Jesse takes the glove, he throws it, he shatters the window. And then with the police sirens in the background, he escapes through Grady's window. So then uh, after he's just murdered his best friend, what's his next step? How about going to the party full of people? Because he makes <laughs> his way back to Lisa's. Yeah, he's covered in blood. Covered in blood. Tells her, I'm the one who killed Coach Snyder, and I just killed Grady. She's like, nah! And she doesn't believe him. I mean, and when we say he's covered in blood, I mean, like, it's all over his chest. Once again, bare Arms. chest, by the way. Yeah. It's all over his hands. She's like, no, no, you didn't. You, you kidder. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, she doesn't see any of the red flags. So then we, uh, we cut outside to the, to the party. We see the pool starting to uh, like bubble with heat. Uh, the grill like sparks with the hot dogs on it, like a flame erupts. We see beer cans explode open on their own. Yeah, the hot dogs start popping like popcorn. <laughs> yeah. And then we see that there's like a little uh, key lock on the fence that locks itself. And then back inside, uh, Lisa reveals to Jesse that Nancy wasn't crazy, that all the people around her did get killed, but that uh, he just needs to fight Freddy. He can do it. Yeah, Spoiler alert, can't he can't. <laughs> yeah. He just, just don't be afraid, Jesse. Yeah. That's the way to beat him. He so feeds exactly, up your screens. <laughs> yes, yeah, so at exactly that moment, Freddy takes control once again, and uh, he begins to attack Lisa. She tries to get away. Um, she eventually grabs, is it a butcher's knife? What kind of knife was it, Graham? Chef knife. Chef knife, <laughs> excuse me. And through Freddie's body, we get Jesse's voice begging him to, uh, begging her to kill him. And she like tries kind of weakly to, to stab yes. Freddie. Doesn't even pierce his skin. Um, and uh, Lisa reveals that she loves him. And at this point, Freddie shoves her aside. He runs through the glass door and then disappears. Oh, magic. Kind of like not, a leprechaun. 
<laughs> he's not gone for long though, because then he jumps up out of the ground by the pool, sends all the teenagers running, and then we get a kill spree. So stay with mm-hmm. me here, folks, because we see Freddy grabs one kid, slashes him by the neck. That's number three. Two kids fall into the pool, which then ignites. That's four and five. One girl falls into a fire. That's six. One kid, Fred, not even Freddy's doing, just gets trampled by everybody else. We see him bleeding out the mouth. That's seven. So then Freddy grabs one of the party goers, stabs him with the glove. That's number eight. And then we see Mr. Newgooder here tries to reason with Freddie. No one's taken this approach before. He's like, hey, man, <laughs> you don't have to do this. Like, we can all be cool. So <laughs> Freddie responds. He's so convincing. He's so sincere. I know. So Freddie responds by grabbing him and throwing him like 30 feet into the grill. That's number nine. That was a lot in, in a short time. We got three through nine right there, people, in like a, what, two-minute span? Yes. So it's also interesting because, again, this is all happening in the real world. These mm-hmm. murders are not happening in, in, in dreamland. Like the whole first movie told us, Freddy can only kill you in your dreams. Right. The whole premise. So it is at this point where Freddy once again pulls a leprechaun and disappears. Lisa, in all of this chaos, has managed to uh, get Jesse's car and she drives back to the power plant where there are some like weird Freddy dog things hanging out out front. (laughs) I just put dogs with people faces, question mark? Like what? Yeah, weird. Super weird. So then we see Freddy's gloved hand on, on one of the rails in the boiler room. So now we know Freddy is there as well. And then uh, one of the, I'm going to call them Freddy dogs, eats a rat, which terrifies Lisa, who then promptly runs smack into Freddy. So here's our big showdown, Lisa versus Freddy. And she tries to lure Jesse out. She, you know, she's telling him again, I love you. You can fight this. You don't have to be... Freddy or whatever. So Freddy is slowly weakening. And then, I mean, this girl is a trooper because she really goes for it because she grabs Freddy and kisses him. Yeah. So then Freddy shoves her away. All of a sudden, just like the bird earlier, everything spontaneously erupts into fire, including Freddy. And then all of a sudden, the fire stops and out of the like there's like a like a uh, big like i don't even know what you'd call it uh jesse emerges he like starts it's play, like yeah he's in he's yeah. in the burnt the burnt shell of, of freddy basically yeah. yeah so he starts peeling back the layers and jesse is there he seems to be okay and jesse and lisa embrace they begin to cry it's a big happy ending but then we get a shot that looks awfully familiar because mm-hmm. just like the start of the movie, we see there's a bus driving down the street. And so I know the first thing I looked for was, is Robert England driving the bus again? Yes. And he wasn't. He like, wasn't. Oh, so, okay. All right. Maybe, maybe things are going to turn out okay for these kids. So Jesse gets on the bus. I don't know why they're not taking his car. Like they have the entire rest of the movie, but yeah. uh, Lisa who, we're told it was his next door neighbor, 
is somehow already on the bus. You would think they'd have the same bus stop, but apparently not. Yeah. So if 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 she got there to his house to then ride in the car with him to school, she's within walking distance. Right. So, so yeah. Anyway, she's already on the bus. So Jesse makes his way. He goes. He sits with Lisa and her her friend uh, Kelly, or excuse me, Carrie, sitting behind them, and they start moving. And Jesse starts freaking out a little bit. Hey, hey, this bus is going too fast. It, guys, is, is this bus going too fast? And so, no, Jesse, it's fine. And then eh, they pull up to a stop. Another kid gets well, on. Okay, when this happens, Trent, and like he's freaking out about the bus and everybody else is calm as cucumbers, I'm like, you guys let him back to school too quickly. <laughs> he's not ready. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But then... He's like yelling for the bus driver to stop and the bus driver does stop because man, they just had another bus stop. And so some more kids get on and they're looking back like, what's wrong with you, kid? And then all of a sudden, Freddie's hand emerges from Carrie's chest. The bus takes off off-roading again, just like the start of the movie and credits roll. Oh, and let's call Carrie number 10 while we're at it. Bing. Body count number 10, even 10. Well, so Graham, circling back to the top of the podcast, was different better? Different was not better. Different was much worse. Different was bad. Much, much worse, one might even say. Um, so quick bloody bit about this is Robert England himself has stated that Freddy's Revenge is his least favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie ever. So... You don't have to hear it from me. You can hear it from the guy that was in there. Um, yeah, I can't say I'm surprised. This was just a, this was a disaster, dude. Yeah, there's really, I mean, it's told. Okay, so it's totally worth watching. So we're not like we. Uh, so don't get mad at us. Like, okay, we just had to listen to you guys talk about this movie, and I have no reason to go see it. No, surprisingly, it does have a cult following these days. And the reason why... We'll, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get there. Okay, okay, we'll get there. So so uh, my initial thoughts is, wow, I didn't like it. I'm uh, not exactly sure exactly what that was, but everything that worked in the original film was ruined in this film, Trent. Like you said, Freddy is only supposed to exist in the dream world or in his nightmare world where you're down um, in, the, in the cellar with his furnace. Yeah. Um, this one transforms that into... Jesse's actual home, which I don't remember yeah. that being part of the it first It wasn't one. a thing. Yeah, it wasn't a thing. Um, so he's able Freddy to be in the can, real world. Yeah, Freddie can somehow have mind control over Jesse. That wasn't a thing. That wasn't a thing. Um, he appears in the real world, wasn't a thing. And I have one more. I'm forgetting it. What was the other one? Oh. And, okay, was his voice is, is like altered in this. I don't remember it being that altered in the first one. It was similar. Okay. Uh, that might have just been me, but like... It, yeah. It was It was a lot... Anyway. Um, yeah, poor acting. Weird plot lines. Freddy of the Dream World. I don't know what happened. I don't know. What, the, the, everything that was good about the first it's one was undone here. It's never even explained. Like, if they could have at least come up with a reason why or how... Freddie was able to take over Jesse. 
Yeah. That would have been one thing. It's never explained. It's just all of a sudden Freddie has control over Jesse. Well, and why do that? Because the first one works so well that, you know, I mean, you could recite, you could almost just recycle the plot of the first movie and make yes. a sequel and be like, okay, we got a new crop of kids and, and they're being haunted by Freddie and their nightmares. Boom. You know, but no, we Absolutely. have to have like some kind of possession um, that just didn't work for me, man. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it didn't really work for me either. There were, I mean, I don't even think any of the deaths were that cool. I mean, we talked no. about how weird the first one was. The Grady death, the, the slashing happened off screen. Um, right. And then, then all, like the the kill the, montage of at, at the pool party, like none of those were even that creative. So no, and you don't really get to see. It's not like that's why I had trouble counting the body counts, and I'm glad that you you went through it and got them all because I'm like, I had like around six because like you know you're well, not sure. Yeah, because even then, like I counted ten, but like, did the two kids that were in the pool that set on fire did that really kill them? I don't know. Yeah, did, did the, the guy get thrown, thrown into the grill? Did that really kill yeah. him? I don't know. Right. Exactly. Um, and that's not good for body count, people. We need definitive. We need definitive deaths here. <laughs> yes. And creative deaths. That's what we thrive on. Um, so, yeah, not a whole lot of creativity with the uh, with the death scenes at all. Like you had in the first one where, um, you know, it comes up through the bed or uh, you could see Freddy's claws in the bathtub with that. That's a great shot. You know what yes. I mean? Um, so yeah. at this point. We have reviewed the first four Halloween movies, the first two Friday the 13th movies, and the first two Nightmare on Elm Street films. So we've used, we've reviewed eight films from, from the big three. I would say, at best, this is ranked seventh. It would be between this and Halloween 3 as to what the worst movie is. 100%. Like, no question about it. Because... Halloween 1 and 2 are great. We already established that the original A Nightmare on Elm Street is great. Friday the 13th, both of those are probably... We, we, like, I mean, we like the second one more than we like the first. We thought the second yeah. one was a blast. I just yeah, gave yeah. you a poster of the second one, actually. Yeah, so those are better. <laughs> um, and then you have Season of the Witch in this. Yeah, so not, not great company. Not great company. Um, it'll go. We we should do this, Trent. We should have a Hall of Fame and a Hall of Shame for for some of these movies. <laughs> this and, one goes into the Hall of Shame. <laughs> and it's worth noting, New Line kind of uh, kind of agreed because when it came time for Part Three, the whole possession angle that was gone. Heather Langenkamp, Nancy was back. We're and we're back on track with uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, I mean, sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors. We we are back in business with Part Three. So this is just kind of like a weird uh, interlude. Yeah. And um, it kind of goes to the point where, you know, they, they rushed it. Um, this one still made money, though. Um, do you want to talk about the box? Office? Yeah, absolutely. Because I thought it would be interesting if we looked at the first film. Because like we said, the first film came out a year before. And the first film grossed 25 0.5 million dollars in 1984 and then shockingly to me this movie comes out a year later and makes right at 30 million dollars so this movie actually made more money than the original mind-blowing 
mind blowing. I don't know if the distribution the, the distribution was wider or how that happened. I do know that the in, international audiences did see this, so I'm not sure about the first film. Um, but yeah, it somehow made more money than the original on a low budget. Thirty, I mean, that's ten times over budget. Um, so yeah, successful. And I did read. It's not a bloody bit, but you know, we can we can say it is um, that you know, New Line Cinema was a budding production company, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we said in, in the first podcast that uh, New Line Cinema would be known as the house that Freddie built because they were banking off the first one. This one gave them more cash to make even, even more films. So um, even though this one probably critically and audience-wise wasn't very liked, um, it gave New Line Cinema enough cash to continue. Well... Speaking of those critics, Graham, let's play your favorite game. Guess the tomato meter. All right. I'm going low for critic score. I'm going, call it a 20. With 29 reviews. A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge is certified rotten at 41%. So a little bit better than you thought. But then the audience score with a quarter million ratings is actually lower than the critic score at 33%. Yeah, I'm a part of that group. (laughs) So it is highly unusual in a slasher film like this where you somehow see the audience score lower than the critic score. Right, because people like like us, they love their horror movies, even if it's, you know, not, you know, critically great or or something that you would, would, you're not going to measure this up to, you know, Oscar winners. Um, the audience usually has fun. It's a popcorn flick. Yeah. And this just didn't connect. Now, unfortunately, our favorite critic, Roger Ebert, did not review this film. So no Roger Ebert quotes for you this time, Graham. But you mentioned earlier, this film has taken on a bit of a cult status. Why is that? So I wrote down in my notes, Trent, and I know you have the, the exact wording on this, but I, I wrote down in my notes without reading about this that I was like, this whole movie seems like a metaphor for Jesse confronting his blatant homosexuality. That's what I thought. 100%. <laughs> like he... We hear, like, so there's, like, one scene where, like, where Freddy's inside of him, and he's like, it's inside of me! It's trying to get out! Like Yes. <laughs> yes. There's something inside of him that he that, he, that is trying to get out. He, um, his, his relation, he's going over to Brady's house, um, the, the first, the, the gay bar and the coach was weird, weird, <laughs> weird, weird. Um, yeah. And so, so I did see afterward that, um, that international audiences did like this movie because they picked up on that, um, homoerotic undertones, I guess. Is yes. what, what, how do they state it? I mean, that's, I mean, that's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, you know, funny enough, I did see that uh, the actor, Mark Patton, who plays Jesse Walsh, is an openly gay actor. Well, at the time, he wasn't so open. This kind of uh, shoved him out the closet. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, he was, he was then open. And uh, I did see a quote by him that he considers himself uh, the original um, male screen, scream queen or, or something, yes. I guess, um, because, because, yeah, he's gay. <laughs> yep. It's, it's interesting, though, because he has a girlfriend. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, even when they were trying to make out in the cabana, he wasn't into it. I'm just saying that. 
And let this dis- disclaimer be known, I am an ally and I am LGBTQ um, supportive. Um, so I'm not talking down on any of this um, homosexuality and homosexual undertones. I'm d- we're just stating the facts of the film. Yeah. I mean, and again, this is 1985 Reagan America where this movie's coming yes. out. So it's just, <laughs> the whole thing is just weird. It's just weird. So I do have a bloody bit, Trent, that I think you'll find interesting. So we were talking about New Line Cinema being a budding um, production company. So Robert England, being Freddy Krueger, he is Freddy Krueger, right? I mean, he's the draw. The other actors, I don't know how well they how, how well known they are, but anyway, um, so they originally refused to give Robert England a pay raise for this sequel. Um, and so they cast an extra to play Freddy at the beginning of production. After two weeks of that, um, Robert Shea, who's the producer, uh, he realized that that was a terrible lapse in judgment and met Robert England's demands. Boom. Robert England got paid. We get the real Freddie back. Now, um, I kind of want to go back to the whole uh, gay thing here for a minute because this is, uh, this is very interesting. So the movie was written by a man named uh, David Chaskin. And the whole idea of where did the homoeroticism, where did that come from? Was that in the script? Was that in the directing? Was that in the performance? And I'll just read you a quote from, from Chaskin in, uh, in 20, uh, 2016. Uh, uh, interpretations of, of Jesse were the choices that he, being uh, Mark Patton, the actor, made. I have to believe that he got it and that's how he decided to play it. And that basically uh, <laughs> that Patton played the role, quote, too gay. So the writer was putting the blame on Patton. Yeah. Patton said that Chaskin, quote, sabotaged him and that uh, nobody ever affected my confidence, but uh, boys threw rocks at me. And it's because of that man. So wow. very very heated back and forth between the actor and writer as to who was responsible for the, uh, for the gayness. And, and so the just, director, Jack Shoulder, is just like staying out of this, I guess. I, I guess, yeah. So <laughs> I guess his in, direction. Rec- in recent years, uh, Chaskin has tried to reach out to Patton and, and apologize to him for their past beef, but uh, Patton is not open to hearing it. Well, you can't blame him. I mean, the damage was done. So, um, some people can hold a grudge. <laughs> yeah, so, so just just interesting. Um, but anyway, uh, let's let's talk about the cast. So we talked about Mark Patton already. Um, he quit acting after this. Um, he became an interior, basically, as a result of uh, all the drama uh, attached to the homosexuality in this film. He's like, ah, he, he just didn't want to deal with it. So uh, he would not return to acting until uh, 2016, actually, when he was in a film called Family Possessions. Um, and then he's done a couple of different uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, documentaries. So uh, Mark Patton, not much of a career to, to speak of. Kim Myers, who played uh, Lisa, uh she was in some stuff. She was in a Hellraiser movie. But again, 
not exactly a, a big career to write home about. Yeah. And I thought she was, um, I thought she was, she was the best out of, out of the act, the main dead teenagers. We didn't yeah. even get like good deep dead teenagers. I know. Right? So, and then of course, everyone knows about Robert England and really those are the only three people I, I think are even worth talking about. Um, yeah, I agree. So, I mean, Grady, Grady was, you know, I, I don't know much about him. He was, you know, it's just supposed to be like a meathead kind of guy, but they didn't really get to expand on his character much. We didn't get a lot out of him. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at at uh, Grady was played by Robert Russler, and again, um, he was in uh, the Stephen King Babylon Five. He was in the Stephen King movie. Sometimes they come back. He was in an Amityville horror movie. Um, he was in a television adaptation of The Outsiders. Um, but again, just, I mean, he worked, but just yeah, not, really a, not, not really, a not really a big name actor. Yeah. 22 episodes of Babylon five for anybody who likes Babylon five, so, but I, I haven't seen him in anything, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Trent. So I introduced this, um, this short little segment here when we did misery and I kind of stated it as who else was considered for the part. And so not all movies lend themselves to this, but A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge does, Trent, because the first one was successful. So they were looking for a new actor, an up-and-comer, if you will, to play the part of Jesse Walsh. So listen to these three names that were who considered for the part. Brad Pitt was considered for the role of Jesse Walsh. Wow. Yeah, this was 1985. This is uh before he did Thelma and Louise, which I think came out in the late 80s. So he was a few years from being discovered. Christian Slater. Wow. Another 80s, early 90s powerhouse was considered for the role. And Michael J. Fox. What in the world? Michael J. Fox, if you, if you guys know, this came out in 1985, had other commitments with a little movie called Back to the Future. Yeah, so, I think he made the right call. I think he made the right call. But anyway, would this movie be considered better with those actors in it? Probably. We got Johnny Depp in the first one, but at the same time, it's hard to it's hard to get past a bad script and um, you know half half hearted direction. I think. Sure. So anyway, that's who else could have played the part of Jesse Walsh, Brad Pitt, Christian Slater, and Michael J. Fox. Very, very interesting. Um, do you have any other bloody bits for us? You know, I don't. Um, you know, I had the bloody bit that you named that, you know, if, if you didn't pick up on the, on the, the opening sequence, that, that was Robert England without the heavy makeup. Um, but yeah, those are those. That's all I got, man. All right, Graham. So it is now time to figure out what we're going to do for our next episode. Yeah, let's do it, man. I'm excited to get this one um, in the past. We we can uh, go to season two, ep two. Yeah, so I decided, you know, normally I like to have like a theme to, to the selections I give you. So this theme is, let's look at some franchises that we haven't gotten to yet. So cool. I'm going to give you three, th- three part ones from major horror franchises that we have yet to touch on. Okay? Sam, that sounds great. So your first option, paranormal activity. 
Awesome. The that is most profitable film of all time. Yes. Shot on like no dollars. Yeah. A $10,000 budget would gross over a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Imagine if you were uh, like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll chip in 10% of your movie for 10% gross. Yeah. Pretty good investment. <laughs> Pretty good investment. Your second option, Final Destination. Oh my gosh. I love Final Destination. And your third option, one that has actually been in the news a bit lately because there's a reboot franchise, a reboot television series out of it right now, I should say, Child's Play. I have been waiting, Trent, for us to get to Child's Play. I love Final Destination 2 and Paranormal Activity. Um, when we were going through horror movies, Stephanie was like, I'll watch Paranormal Activity. <laughs> um, so I know she'd be on board. I think we got to get to Chucky, man. I think he's too iconic to, to leave out. Um, we got to get to Chucky for season two, man. I, I would happen to agree. Uh, it's kind of shocking that we did not do any child's played films um, in year one. So we're going to write that wrong very early on here in year two, because the next time we talk to you, we will be reviewing the original child's play film. Yes. I am so excited that we're going to jump into Chucky. We can see the true origin story of how Charles Lee Ray became into a plastic good guy's doll. You excited about that, man? I mean, I'm the one who gave you the option, so. Okay, so of course you're excited about that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we thank you guys for listening to this episode of Body Count. If you don't already, follow us on Instagram. We got new content coming out. Trent's been sharing his collection of Stephen King novels. I'm going to share a picture of the poster that Trent got me for our one year anniversary um, when he was uh, over here having dinner. And of course you can see screen caps and movie posters along the way. Again, that is on Instagram at body count show. So for that, we'll see you next time on body. Count.